Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio Told Like It Is. I'm Frank Crivello and he's Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank, how are we doing on this Tuesday night? We're back on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, just for just briefly, uh, you know, with, with, with Mother's Day on Sunday, probably a, probably a smart idea to... Uh, yes. You know, not get... Not get things terribly upset by saying Happy Mother's Day. We're going to go into a podcast now. So. Yeah, I prefer to sleep in my bed than on the couch. So <laughs> I'm sure you do as well. Yeah, no complaint. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not fighting that one. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, so temporarily back to Tuesday night, but I think next week we'll go right back to Sunday night yeah. and, uh, yeah. and, and be good to go. So, uh, you know, the uh, spotted cow has been tasting pretty good. Uh, oh, right on. The nights, I, uh, I dare say, ever since. Uh, Ever since that wonderful, unexpected, happy surprise of a game on Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm toasting to water, but uh, yeah, nonetheless, no, it was a, it was a absolutely was a surprise uh, this weekend. Uh, it's actually, it's actually kind of smart because we last time Milan beat Juve last summer, and we did the recording the night of, and we just got hammered by yep. our show. I don't even remember. I don't even remember how we ended. Serves it. us right then, right? <laughs> Teaches us a lesson. We learn. We learn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so it's probably also a good idea not doing the podcast on Sunday night either. I was uh, yeah, I was in varying conditions between the the, the beer and uh, having a bourbon with the with uh, with my father in law and, and stuff like that. So probably was not going to be. Yeah. Uh, oh, I would have been in rare form. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but who knows? So uh, so yeah. So that that went down. Um, it's. Uh, We've got. Uh, can we agree? Spaces is um stupid. What's Jerry on already? This is about Twitter. They have the spaces. I haven't got into it yet, but uh, I know a lot of people are using it. Um, it's. I think it's interesting. I haven't partaken. I've listened, but I haven't you know joined in the conversation. Um, but it's uh, interesting. I don't know. J- Jerry's not a fan, apparently. I don't like that we're limited to two hundred and forty characters. And now I got to figure out. Need to figure out space. I'm too old for this shit. So, see you Miguel's chiming in. Jerry, space isn't stupid, Jerry. That's Miguel. So, it's a very controversial right. topic, apparently. So, we're going to have chat getting into a fight tonight. That's awesome. Love it. Love so, it. All right. So, uh, we're going to talk uh, a little bit later on in the program. We're going to talk about a huge relegation battle between Cali and Benevento. Uh, yeah, we're going game. to talk about Jose Mourinho returning to Serie A uh, and taking over at Roma. We have not given you our takes. Uh, yet on that, at least in, not in podcast form, uh, we have a DraftKings slate tomorrow uh, mm. for Serie A. Seven games, Richard, all at the same time, 245 Eastern. $15 entry has a chance to uh, win 1000 uh if you play the right guys. So I will uh, try to help you with where you should probably go with your picks. Um, we have not won any money yet with our DraftKings lineups there that we put together on Serie A sit-down. So we're going to try yeah. tonight. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we end with the world's most popular hashtag game, Who Won Calcio Twitter. We've got a number of entries once again this week, um, and uh, we'll see if we have. We've had a lot of first-time winners of late, Richard, although Art was a repeat winner last week. Uh, was that last week when Art won? 
Yeah, yeah. It's and been nine days since we did the last podcast. So it's, and it's, speaking of returns, you returned to Italy. Uh, Don Totti is back in our lives. Uh, the winner of the Tweet of the Year last year. He's back on Twitter after the news of Mourinho. So uh, welcome back to uh, City A, Don Totti. <laughs> the, uh, the 2020 Who Won Calcio Twitter Tweet of the Year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, back and uh, ready to go at it. So, um DraftKings NHL McDavid. I have it's, but I haven't played hockey in a few months, Jerry, and that's probably the problem. So, did really well on NBA uh, several weeks ago, and then Major League ba- and Baseball last week. I had one that did really good. So, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm winning enough to keep playing. So there you go. Uh, so that's that. But uh, before we get into all of that, we're going to get into a small matter of what went down at the J on Sunday mm. to the surprise of everyone, even the most ardent Milan supporters could not predict 3-0 to the Rossoneri, Richard. Uh, let's yeah. start with how the lineups were put together, and let's start with the home team. Chesney in goal, uh, Cuadrado and Alexandro uh, were the fullbacks. Uh, Pirlo goes with a back four with the combination of Matias Delic and Giorgio Chiellini. He opts for West, Weston McKinney to maybe originate in a wide role, but he really played narrow. Um, mm-hmm. With Rodrigo Bentancourt, Adrian Rabio, and then Federico Chiesa maybe providing some some width on the left, but also pre- trying to trying to cut in and get in behind uh, the space that's being left is a, a role that he's been really really good at this season. And then you go yeah. Morata and Cristiano Ronaldo up top. So you know, Pirlo wastes no time. He goes with Morata right off the bat instead of a Ronaldo Kulishevsky combination, which, which we've seen him do in games like this before. Yes. Uh, what were your thoughts? Um, I thought it was smart on his part, at least it, you know, to start off with this, because you know, Morata has been the hot hand. He's probably been one of the most uh, consistent strikers for Juventus this season, outside of obviously Chris, Cristiano Ronaldo with his 27 goals or whatever he has. Um, and so, yeah, I thought it was a good move because we've what we've seen from Morata is when he's coming off the bench, he's produced immediately. Uh, sometimes a minute within within a minute of entry. So I thought that was probably a good move by him because uh, you know having two guys, two guys who are pretty mobile. They're not you know not necessarily just out and out strikers and so um while Kulashevsky is very you know very flexible was that x factor Morata is a, brings that clinical finishing that you need and having two guys you know Morata and, and Ronaldo up there could pose a, a risk to to Milan's back defense especially with Chiara and Tamori back there who of late have not been as solid as they had been for a majority of the season yep yep so interesting that that's the uh, the lineup that he picked what do you think of Chiellini uh over Bonucci um, it's probably a good move. Uh, I mean, if you watch it, the end result. It's probably not the greatest result for for Juventus. But I thought you know Bonucci, he in in the big games as of late, he has not played well. Uh, he's given up silly silly penalties. Though Chiellini gave one in this game that we'll get to. Um, but he's he's not played very well. And I thought having Chiellini back there is at least solid back. Uh, so someone back there who's strong who can lead the line. Uh, and it'd be a good compliment to Delict. Uh, two strong guys who can really handle a guy like Ibrahimovic or whoever they may throw in, the, in terms of the attack. So um, I thought it was a good move to have him in there, um, despite what the results showed. I thought it was the right move no matter what. Yep, yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, in terms of man-marking Ibrahimovic, it's probably a, a better – I mean, Bonucci loses people all the time. We've talked about yeah. this. It's pretty well documented. Um, and it's something that you can take advantage of. Uh, you can actually have the Ligt and Chiellini switch off, too. They're both strong enough to, to handle Ibrahimovic as opposed to Bonucci, who would just get pushed away. And I frankly thought the Ligt was outstanding, yeah. uh, in particular in the first half. So, um, 
Don Milan, Donnarumma in goal, back for Calabria, Kair, Tomori, and Teo. Uh, the double pivot of Ismail Benacer and Frank Kessie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Salamakers, Chalanolu, and Brahim Diaz gets a start. Zlatan up front. Um, were you surprised to see Brahim Diaz get the call here? I was, I was, but I... <sighs> I, I knew that they had to do something different to give the left side some help. We've seen historically, even if we just look back at the last Juve-Milan game, where Chiesa down the right-hand side just completely tore uh, Teo Hernandez apart, and so we need, we knew that he needed some kind of help to have any kind of chance for, for Milan to have any kind of chance to be successful in this match. Brahim Diaz, you think, would probably have some kind of work rate in there, you know, in there with, you know, Kessie as well to help out. Um, I w- it was a curious pick to me. I wasn't sure how that would work. Um, because I've been up and down on on Brahim Diaz this season. He's had some moments of brilliance and moments of where the hell are you? Um, so I wasn't sure how that was going to work out, but uh, it, it worked out. <laughs> I mean, I think it was vital to have the double pivot back. They did not. This was not what you know the Benazir Kessi partnership in that midfield did not happen. Uh, in the first game at the San Siro, they deputized Calabria next to Kessi mm-hmm. and took the mm-hmm. shot at it. Um. And Calabria did not play poorly by any stretch of the imagination sure. in that game. It's just not his role. No. Um, and in the first half, I thought that he was fine. Um, but as the game stretched out, he kind of lost what his responsibility was in that specific position where you get much more consistency out of Ismail Benacer. So when I saw this lineup, the first thing that I immediately, immediately came to my mind was this should be a setup that deals a lot better with uh, Chiesa. Um, because everybody can get, and this is where Juventus have gotten people in, throughout the season, is they get so carried away with where's Ronaldo, uh, we're man-marking Morata, and that just invites Chiesa to find those spaces underneath and, and, and get in, get the ball, and he has scored a lot of goals that way this season. Um, yeah. Where now you have Benacer here who understands the role, he could probably help pick him up, he can pass him off to Kessie, they have that understanding of each other. Um, so I like that a lot. Where, you know, where's Milan going to be vulnerable in their setup? They're going to be vulnerable around Teo Hernandez. Um, you know, but as this game unfolded, you saw a lot of cover for him. Okay. Yes. Um, you did not see, I can't remember when, I can't remember a moment where Quadrado got into the last third and produced crosses from Dane, you know, from the corners you know, and in dangerous areas. He just, he, it didn't seem like he could venture in there because the space wasn't there. Um, and, and Salamakers did a great job tracking a back against Chiesa as well. Definitely agree with that. I mean, it, that is such an underrated and overlooked thing about Alexis Salamakers. And say what you want about him with the ball because I think in, as, as, as it pertains to Serie A, um, as it pertains to Serie A, it's, he's still developing technically. He's going to have the quality, but he the stuff without the ball from Salamakers, the, the 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 defending, the work rate, um, yeah, the work rate, that's there. Yes, you know, I mean, and that's heck. When you're coming into a league like this and you're trying to gain experience, if you have that baseline, you can only go up. So, um, and that's the one thing we've never. That's the one major criticism we've heard for certainly for Suzo, um, but also Castillejo as well at times. 
Um, the one thing no one's ever knocked on Salamakers is his work rate. Yeah, his finishing ability, his passing ability, this and that. Yeah, but his work rate's always been there. And I think for a game like this, it's important, especially when you got guys like Chiesa who can get free. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around why Chiesa played on the left side, not the right side, like in the last matchup. Yeah. Um, I know Lisi had comments Good about point. that on Twitter as well. And it didn't make sense because Chiesa was brilliant in that first matchup against them yeah. on the right-hand side. And maybe Pirlo was overthinking it or I don't know. But either way. He gets yeah. shut down. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he wanted Quadrado running deeper and he wanted to have that flank available to him. You know. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I, I see Steve's comment. I'm, in all fairness, Juve was terrible on Sunday top to bottom, but let's talk about that. I mean, Juve was terrible because Milan set up to stop them. Yeah. Okay. And, I didn't, and I actually don't think Juve was that bad in the first half. Second half, they they certainly were. Milan were by far the better team. But I think yeah, I they mean, had, Juve had lots of opportunities in that first half. I think Gigio played a little poor in the beginning and then grew into the game. Uh, and Juve missed some glorious opportunities. Like to start the game, Chiellini had a great header opportunity to take the lead and misses the net wide. I'm like, yeah. They had their chances. I mean, they, they, they got around, they got, they got numbers around Ronaldo. Yep. They they defended Murata. They were ready to pick up Chiesa as he was coming in. You had McKenney, you know, finding some runs in there as well. They didn't allow Quadrado to penetrate uh, with or without the ball uh, from that right hand side. Milan set up to stop Juve, and I think you know where Juve's terrible. There wasn't plan. There wasn't a plan B. There wasn't an adjustment. It was you know throw. Uh, Let's just throw let's let's throw Dybala in there after we fell behind two nil and and he he threw him in straight up for Chiesa. It wasn't, hey, let's take a risk and get one of these more holding type guys out and go for broke. He he went like for like basically. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was almost like, you know, he was in a panic, like he expected what he put out there to work, and and Pirlo I'm talking about, and then he just he never adjusted to what Milan were throwing at them because. I'm looking at it, and I'm figuring out how I get Quadrado further forward so that he can be a threat. Because from the fullback position, he was not a threat. Right. If you got a, um, if you had taken the time to put another player in the game, a Danilo who was on the substitutes bench and didn't go in, okay, who can work as a third center back and give Quadrado some freedom and some license to go forward. I think that that puts a lot of pressure on Milan defensively, certainly puts a lot more pressure on tail. Um, you know, that w- that's one thing that I would look at at some point, you got to get away from this, these, these three midfielders, McKenney, Bentoncourt and uh, Rabio. And I think the other detriment with those guys, they all look like they got in each other's way. Didn't they? It did. It did. Sorry, I'm reading the comment from Presidente telling you, Frank, to pull out your calculator. Um, okay, stop. President, <laughs> hang on. Uh, sorry, Richard. Presidente, Atalanta are going to beat Benevento and they're going to beat Genoa. There is no point in talking about this. Okay? You are nuts if you think they're losing one of those two games. Benevento suck and they're going to get smashed tomorrow because. They shot their load trying to beat Cagliari to get out of the relegation trouble. I can't see them having anything left. We'll talk about that later, uh, you know, for this Atalanta game. And Genoa, they're going to be one of these teams that hit the beach. They're not going to – they're hardly going to give a shit, you know. So it's (laughs) – Atalanta are going to get six out of six, at worst four out of six, and we don't have to worry about this this, this three-way tie nonsense. But go ahead. 
But you digress, right? Um, (laughs) I think this game in particular, Pioli really stepped up and he outmanaged Pirlo. We wondered if that was going to happen. The first time they played, Pirlo had the masterclass against uh, Pioli. This time, Pioli had the better hand. He obviously played the played the better. What he did was it took away the the strengths of Juventus and forced you know the guys like Bentancur, McKinney, Rabiot to really step up and play and beat them, and they couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, Bentacor had a chance, great chance to end of the first half or early second half, I forget what it was, uh, that Gigi Donnarumma had to get down and make a great save on. But other than that, it really was quiet from those three, and you got a full credit to the game plan that Milan instilled with Ben Acer, Kessie, and, and all, all the compliment because they shut down Ronaldo. You really didn't hear about Morata. Chiesa, I didn't, you didn't even know he was in the game. That's how, that's how much, how well they marked him. Yeah. Um, and again, it's all because the the, the Brahim Diaz on the left, uh, Salamakers on the right. You had the wing backs. I mean, it was a t- whole team effort defensively to really shut them down. And yeah, um, I mean, you know, the only thing that Juve, Juve can really hang their head on is that they kind of shut down Ibrahimovic. But other than that, it was that's all they really did. And um, you know, full credit to Pioli for for getting it right on this one. It's about time because they this is a must need game. A much they had to win this game. They could not lose it. Uh, and he got his spot on. Um. Where I get critical of Milan, I thought their first half was poor. Uh, and I think that I thought Milan were poor in the first. I thought both teams were poor in the first half. I thought it was a, you know, I thought that yeah. maybe Juve was a little bit better. Um, More wide open than I like, but. Yeah. But I thought Milan were poor. Um, I thought it was a, a technically poor first half from them with the ball. You saw a lot of under hit passes, you, you saw a lot of missed touches. A shining example is. is Brian Diaz, as good as he was, uh, had Ibra played through, and he put the ball on his he put the ball on his back foot uh, instead of in front of him, where he could have had a chance to finish. And now Ibra has to come back and get it, and and the uh, and the chance is gone. So, yeah. you know, there were plenty of examples like that. And when I see that, and I made the comment on Twitter, when I see that, that's the sign of a team to me that is, you know, I and I hated using the word choke. But I was very, very concerned because it was nil-nil for such a long time, and it's just like the chances are there for Milan, but the under how they're under hit, how they're missed, is the sign of a team that's that that's choking at the moment. Um, now it took the goal from Diaz was an excellent goal, um, yeah. you know, getting the ball, collecting it, and and, and curling it in, and that uh, right before halftime, I think put the wind in Milan's sails going forward. What were you? Th- I mean. I mean, if there was a moment where a goal was desperately needed to just completely change the course of how a team was performing, because let's face it, prior to the Diaz goal, I don't think Milan were playing well at all. I agree. I agree. I think that woke them up. Um, that was a great goal uh, by him. Well, you know, well, well, to, did a great job of holding the ball, juggling it in, getting past Cuadrado, and then getting that fantastic goal, one of the goals of the week, uh, yep. certainly. Um, but certainly controversy, not without controversy, right? Uh, and many people wonder if it was a handball. They went through the replays. I personally didn't see it. I, it looked like it was off the chest. Yeah, his arm was there, but it hit off his chest and went in, uh, went down. Uh, so I didn't think that was controversial to me, but many people I saw were arguing about that, mostly ESPN FC. But, um, yeah, I thought it was a great goal, really well taken. Um, and I thought uh, that really kind of ignited them. The, really, the gut punch you want just going into halftime, because yeah. you know, otherwise the halftime talk is talking about Milan's more like, okay, we got to do something. We're worried we're on the back pedal here. Juve are starting to insert themselves, uh, and now the the conversation changes. Now we're in the lead. Okay, let's get confidence. Let's go. And Juve are trying to question themselves. So I thought that was a perfectly timed goal, a great goal. And uh, yeah, you, these big games like this need a goal like that sometimes. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, so they go in one nil at the break. They look like they're playing with a little bit more confidence. Juve obviously opened up and tried taking their best shot early. Um, you know, they came fire, came out firing. Um, and then we get the incident here with Diaz strikes the ball off of Chiellini's arm and somehow the referee doesn't see it. And they, uh, have to go to VA. I, I just, it's, it, this I thought they weren't going to call it. <laughs> Honestly, I think that might have been the most ridiculous need for VAR ever. It should have been called on the spot. It was obvious to anyone who saw it. Um, you know, so poor on the referee, but the penalty gets taken, and Kessie does, like... I hate those slow, slow... I mean, it works for Kessie most of the time, but I hate them. Him and Simi does the same thing, and I'm like, I, it drives me nuts because it it, it, it... it just drives me nuts. You shouldn't be doing that. You're giving a goalie a great opportunity to kind of read what you are by going so slow. If you go faster, it gives him less time to react. And uh, I don't know. I don't. And here's 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 what I'm gonna say. Here's what I've learned about taking penalties because I take you know when don't I played I when I played no I took them I wanted to take them. Um, I wanted that responsibility. And what I was taught by my coaches were before you even get to the ball, you need to know where you're going. Yeah. And you commit to that before you even get to before you even set the ball down. Um, Kessie changed the run up this time. It wasn't his usual penalty. I agree. It looked a lot different because, and you run up and you just drive it to that spot. Okay. I wonder if because Chesney making the save in the last game was in in their heads. The uh, problem. The problem is the slow approach for me. If I'm a, it, it gives me the feeling that you are giving the goalkeeper. A lot of information. Yes. Okay. Yes. For as as to where you intend to go with the ball, and more often than not, when I see that run up, the penalty is usually poor. It's usually under hit because now you're putting all of this focus into this twinkle toe bullshit. That now you can't. I mean, Simone Itzaza in 2016, right? And you know, and then no power in a shot. It was it was it was just a depressing penalty. It wasn't and accurate at all. Fans, <sighs> yeah. As Milan fans, we're all looking at this and saying, that should have been it. We should be 2-0 up, and we should be focused on closing this out and, and getting the three points. And now we have to sweat. I was... I, was, I, I did not feel good after that, after yeah. that save. I was like, yeah. shit, this is, this is how the game's going to go. <laughs> yeah. But they, they held their nerve. You know, Ibra gets hurt in the 66th minute. Mm-hmm. And by some accounts, his season might be done. Yeah, um, heard some rumors about that. Yeah, we've we've been anything. I think it was a sprain in his knee, but not. Yeah. You know, I mean, with only a couple of weeks left in the season, there's just no way you're going to be able to get him back in time. No. Uh, so Milan are going to have to pool their resources here in the future games. But Ante Rebic comes on, and there is a period of <laughs> there is a period. <laughs> I always tried to bribe the keeper with buying up a beer if he let me score. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. That's a way to do it, Greek Invaders footy. That is a way to do it. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, and we had us. It felt like at least two minutes where Milan just okay. They're under siege. They're under siege. But then they start getting into possession, and they're moving the ball around, and they're finding the safe passes, and they're not trying to penetrate. But they're just they played. Hey, Juve, come and get it. You know, and it and it was surprising to me. Juve's down one nil, and they're not pressing them. It's like they yeah. were just they were they were happy to let Tamori have the ball. They were le- happy to let Kyer have the ball, and it's like, this is great. Okay, fine, keep the ball. 
keep the ball, keep the ball, make them come and get it. And if they don't want to come and get it, then just keep the ball. Do this for the last, you know, 25 minutes of the match. That's fine. 20 to 25 minutes of the fight. But it opens up Rebic, who takes a brilliant first touch to set himself and then an even greater finish. And I'm having a hard time deciding which of these two goals, Richard, are the goals of the week. But Ante Rebic comes in as the substitute, uh, drives the goal, makes it 2-0 to the Rossoneri, and now we're flying on 78 minutes. Milan are, Milan are on a roll, and now at a position where they can put this thing away. Yeah, I think I think that Rebic goal was a little bit more impressive. I mean, both goals are fantastic, but the, he was basically standing still and, and lo- launched a rocket top corner. I mean, that was just a brilliant shot, and then his, his celebration, too, was great. He was just like... Yep. You know, so you, you gotta love Rebic for that. So I, I like I like his just slightly more, uh, and it was a little bit from a further distance away too. So I mean, it was a, it was just a hell of a shot. Sure. Uh, so yeah, but great goal. And uh, once I went in, I was like, all right, game set match. It's they may get a goal here, but it's uh, it's Milan are feeling it. Yep, for sure. Uh, and they would uh, punctuate this in the 82nd minute after getting a free kick. Uh, Hakan Chalanolu. Uh, to Fikayo Tomori, and I just learned, and I'm paraphrasing, and I can't remember where I found it. I want to credit where I learned this, but Fikayo Tomori jumped higher on that header than any. Uh, he broke Cristiano Ronaldo's, Ronaldo's record. He broke Ronaldo's record for jump, you know, for 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 airspace. Let's say highest uh, jump. Yeah. So that was kind of sweet to that was kind of sweet to read. But Tomori, in the 82nd minute, uh, sealing the three points, and then after that, you're just playing out the stretch. Just a night and day. By the way, this, let's not let's not forget to mention he dunked all over Kielini on that too. It was Kielini and mm-hmm. I forget who else was, maybe Delic, but uh, he just got high up there. I'm like, it, I thought they weren't even jumping, but they were jumping. He was just that much higher. I mean, great, great leaping ability uh, by Tamori. Uh, I was just to, so fired up goal. from the goal being scored. Tamori's balls might have been resting on Kielini's head. For I think they were. I think they <laughs> were. And then the celebration was great too, right? Uh, I know Milano Miguel likes the, likes the celebration by Tamori. I mean, I thought it was freaking. Uh, fantastic celebration by him. First goal we for all, him. And Milan fans all said the same thing. Make this permanent now. Yes, <laughs> so. yes, yes. <laughs> oh, my. So 3-0 to Milan. They get a massive, massive result. And you and I said this. They don't. There's no top four without winning this game. They've won this game. Yep. Are, they, are they top four? Are they going to the Champions League? Can, you, can we boldly make that prediction about them? I don't know. I can't. I can't quite say yet. I think they're in a better, much better position than they were a week ago. Um, getting a win against Juventus is huge because Atalanta is very. It's very hard to get a win against them, uh, especially when they put up five goals. Even if they don't care, they're going to put up five goals. Um, and then you know, you never know with Torino and, and Cagliari because they're you know both trying to save off relegation, even though they're kind of in the driver's foot themso- themselves. Um, it's going to be. It's. It's better chance now. Like I said, I, I can't. I can't say it. You may be able to say it. I can't say it, Frank. Are you going to say it? Because I, I certainly can't at this moment. Well, they have to beat. What is it? They got to beat Torino tomorrow at Torino. They and win tomorrow. I feel I can. I could probably say it. But if they don't sure. win tomorrow, they got it. And then they got to win at home against Calgary, and they do that, and they're sure of. They're pretty much assured of top four. 
I mean, Juve has Sassuolo and Inter, and Inter have won the championship. They could care less. I yep. still think they're probably going to try to beat Juve just to spite them. Uh, yep. And don't overlook Sassuolo. Sassuolo is a good team, and, you know, they well, play Sassuolo's a team that's fighting for Europe, Europa League still. Yeah, yeah, and, and they have the talent. They can break down anybody. Uh, and so if you don't if you don't come prepared for them, uh, they're going to rip you apart. And so I, I think those two teams can beat Juventus, but if Juve finds some way to win those games, you know, it gets so much tighter for Milan and... I don't want to see it come down to a three-way tie at the end like you and Presidente were talking about. Uh, that's the last thing I want to see. Um, even though we may have an advantage, I still don't. Steve doesn't want us to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I can't. I'm I don't... going to give them better than a coin flip for qualifying. I'm going to give them about a 65% chance, which leaves enough room for doubt. Okay? <laughs> I mean, they're in a position where they control their own destiny. Okay. Yeah. But we have been waiting so long that we know that the other shoe can drop at any moment. And, and the Ebra news could hurt too. I mean, with yeah. the performance, not necessarily the results, but well, maybe the results. And let's face it; it's not like we have Atalanta's schedule, who gets two teams that can, you know, Benevento still fighting for survival, but they have been so bad. Yeah. Um, but a Genoa team that has doesn't have much to play for. You know, you're not playing an Udinese who. He got to play Napoli. Napoli got to play today, and Udinese is done. They can't go any. They, they they can't they can't get relegated. They can't get to Europe, you know. And they played accordingly, pretty much, except for the goal he scored. Okaga scored a nice goal. Yeah, um, he did. He did. But so they play. Milan are playing a Torino and a Cagliari that are still fighting for their Serie A lives. So it's not like they've got they've got it handed to them. Juve plays at Sassuolo tomorrow, who are still fighting for Europa League, and then they play Inter, and Inter would love you know, Inter would love nothing more yeah. than to knock them out. I, I mean, heard I heard people say that oh, Inter is going to do uh, Juve a favor and let them beat them or draw them, and so Milan can get out. I was like, don't forget, Inter hate Juve more than they hate Milan. You know, they do. there is a rivalry there with Milan, obviously, but they hate Inter more or hate Juve more. So I would not be surprised if, you know if Conte tries to win you no know, two nothing against his former team or something like that, and just eliminate them for good and be like ha 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 yeah i would say i'm giving them a i'm, I'm giving milan a six about a 65 percent chance of qualifying for champions league i'm not going to go all the way i'm not going to go all out and say it all the way yet now if here's the fun part if if milan beat torino tomorrow and if juve lose at sassuolo tomorrow milan's in yeah. um so that's another that's another scenario that can possibly happen. Yep. I think a draw I'm, maybe too for uh, Juve Sassuolo. Right. I'm just not going to get into the math with Presidente about this. So <laughs> Smart. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Atalanta are winning their next two games. They're yeah. they're just they're hell bent on on making sure that they finish in top four, and they're going to destroy everything in their path the way they've been doing right now. Yeah. Um, so you know it's it's going to come down to how well can Milan play here over these next two games. If they win them both, they're in. Uh, because I just think the, I just think the results around them will work in their favor. And don't um, think for a minute that Gasparini is not going to want his men to run up the score against Milan just so he can dance for Cipollillo and and, and make him mad more than he already is <laughs> against Atalanta. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, so that's that's where I that's where I sit on it. I think Napoli are going. I, I think Napoli are in. Um, I think their schedule is way too easy. I think there's no way they can screw it up. They're playing too good. They're just playing way too well. Um, so, you know, and I think that Juve maybe have a more challenging path than, than what, what, we, what we first believed, considering at Sassuolo and then having to play Inter here in the buildup. So yeah. 
they get a Bologna at the end that they should be able to handle. So it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow is going to be an important day in Serie A. I'm looking forward to the games for sure. So, yep. um, you know, we know Napoli beat Udinese today four to one. You know, so that one's in the books, and Napoli's in a very good position. They sit second right now. Obviously, we got to get through the other games. But, bef- um, Ricky, what should we make Frankie do on your show if Atalanta loses one of their next two matches? <laughs> I think you're Ricky. I am. I never, am. Never heard you be called Rick. Never heard you called Ricky before. Uh, that's a presente always calls me that. Uh, uh, what, what should we do to Frankie on your show if Atalanta loses? <laughs> that's a good question. We'll uh, we'll make him drink some crapa. I don't know. Live on air. <laughs> yeah. Steve is saying if I'm in Champions League by that game, he could dance all he wants. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, all right. But so much focus here on the top four. Over the weekend, there was a massive, massive game in how the relegation picture shapes out, Richard. Yeah, an absolutely relegation six-pointer between uh, Cagliari and Benevento. At the time of the game, I believe uh, Cagliari had a one-point advantage over Benevento, I think, in the standings. Um, it was it, it was a must-win for both teams. Neither team wanted to be in the relegation fight. Obviously, we've talked immensely about how Cagliari is well underperforming this season, especially with the talented players that they have. Uh, and then they go on the road to a team against Bonavento who are, you know, they're, they're trying as best they can. At times, they show moments of brilliance where they can attack teams relentlessly. It doesn't necessarily always equal the goals, but they can put pressure on the opposition. Uh, and so this game was going to be interesting from the beginning. Uh, looking at the lineups for, for, for first a host um, in Benevento, uh, Montipo in goal, no surprise there. Uh, went with the defense of the Paoli, Glick, uh, Calderola, and Barba. And then it had um, Hetamai, Schiattarella, Ionita, Insigne, Roberto and Lorenzo, uh, Caprari and Lapadula. Uh, overall, the starting lineup, I, I was I thought it was a straightforward lineup. I'm surprised Viola didn't get the start in this one, but... Um, you know, Benevento, they needed to get wins, and, you know, Lapadula hasn't put in it in the back of the net lately, Frank. Uh, what were your thoughts on the initial lineup with uh, Benevento? I, I, was, I, I thought Viola was a really bad omission. Um, this, to me, is a classic uh, classic case. I'm not doing the show shirtless. Probably, <laughs> That's only for Steve. We'll, we're going to lose everybody if, we, if I do that. <laughs> um, so I thought that was a big, big missed by people and i think that that's the classic sign of someone that's overthinking it um i understand the hetemai scatterella yonitsa across the back in part yonitsa's former team some familiarity i understand that you know the three of them to protect the back four because it has been a team that has been very poor defensively i don't think it should have been at the cost of viola um if you want to start the game with those three guys protecting the back four. Viola is kind of a trequartista to Lapadula and Caprari. I probably would have signed on for that. Yep. But I, I, that part to me, I think that, you, you know, with the form that he was in and the playmaking ability he has and enough to give Calories some trouble, I was, very, I was perplexed by that move. I was. I was as well. Uh, and then looking at the lineup for the visitors, uh, Cranio in goal, as we expect, uh, Cipadelli, Godin, Carboni, and Nandez. Uh, then you had uh, Diola, Marin, your boy, Lico Janis, Nangolan, and then uh, Jao Pedro and Pavoletti again to start in this one. Uh, the big man who has been, uh, seems to be a nice fit for Caleri. Uh, it's good to see him get a start because usually he comes off the bench. Um, but uh, in a, a combination of him and Jao Pedro, it's a really, you know, one guy who's a big uh, stationary guy who can, you know, bring the ball down, play it off his teammates, and Jao Pedro, who is just a fantastic player. Uh, thoughts on the lineup in this one? Yeah, I, I, 
I like this. Um, you know, I've been touting Razvan Martin to anyone who wants to listen this year, and he had a nice game. Um, yep. Nandez had a Nandez with his usual work rate. United Milan. Nandez had like two assists in this game or something crazy. So what's that? Nandez had like two assists in this game or something. Yeah, and if you know if this game was going to mean anything to anyone, it was going to be to, it was going to mean it was going to mean more to Nangalan than anybody else because of all the time he's put in at Cagliari, yeah. uh, you know, through the years. Um, and then yeah, I, I like that two forward combination of of the target and then the guy that can kind of create a little bit and move off him a little bit. And, you know, so I I, I like the build up. You had enough quality and you had enough variation in characteristics of players that could unbalance Benevento. So I, I liked how Simplice set this up. Yeah, uh, and speaking of setting things up, Simplici uh, certainly set the first goal up uh, in this one off of, off a corner kick, a well uh, a well worked training ground move where uh, they did some nice passes. End up going to Liko Janis and uh, goal of the week candidate here, uh, wonderfully taken here in the first minute. Frank, uh, what a what a set piece goal! I mean, they totally caught Benevento flat footed on this one. Uh, they executed it perfectly. It rarely gets executed this well, uh, especially with the placement of the shot by Liko Janis. The perfect time to do a training ground type set piece like this is very, very early in the game. Yeah. When the other team is, you know, when the other team is probably in a mode of trying to feel their way in a little bit, get a feel for where the runs yeah. are. They've seen some tape of what Calady's tendencies are under normal corner kick situations, you know, and they're just assuming that that's how it's going to be right off the bat. And you hit him with something like this. It was brilliantly executed. Um, uh, Benevento totally napping throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, it was well finished by Lico Giannis. Uh, Lico playing much better these past few matches. Rumors of him leaving in the summer, being heavily monitored by Aris, Ike, Ike Athens, and his youth side Olympiakos. Interesting summer stuff. I mean, I'd hate to lose him. I actually yeah. enjoy watching him play. He's, he's, yeah. he's technical. He's got a strong left foot. Um, a good left wing back in this league that lacks quality at the left wing back position. I'd, I'd hate to see him go. So hopefully that's not true. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully he stays in Italy, but anyway, um, but that's the time you get them, you know, yeah. um, with something like this, you know, it's the perfect time to do it where players are still trying to find their way into the match and they're used to, you know, they're, they're going by what they see on tape. Um, and, you hit him with this. It was it was a master stroke by Simplici. It really was. No, it certainly was, and uh, I think that was the wake up call that Benevento needed. Uh, as soon as that goal went in, they kind of kind of woke up and sort of. Uh Putting the attack more on on Caranos and to Caranos credit, he was standing up and really making some great saves uh, to keep the score as, as was for as best for as long as he could. Uh, Lapadula would get a goal back in the 16th minute, a nice little chip shot over Carano. Nothing the keeper could have done on that one. Uh, maybe come out a little faster, I guess. But uh, Benevento really trying to get you know after going down so early in the match, they did try to. Uh, put the pressure and a lot of pressure they did against Cagliari. Uh, they only got the one goal though in the first half and before they went to intermission. Um, Frank, Cagliari, they started out great, no doubt about it. Get that early goal, yeah. uh, but I think they they were kind of resting on their laurels and trying not to make any other mistakes and kind of let Benevento have too much of the ball in that first half. Obviously, they got the goal back, but they they kept continue making pressure and I thought that Benevento had a couple good opportunities to get uh, a goal here before halftime and they just couldn't get it. Um, did you like the way Simplici kind of dropped off after that first goal? Or did you even see it that way? 
I saw it get really chippy in the first half. Yeah. Pavlotti uh, got a yellow early as a Scatarella. Um, I thought that uh, Camille Glick and, and Leonardo Pavoletti were going to get into a street fight. Yeah, that would have been nice. The way they were going at each other. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, the, the, the game was physical, which you want to see when you got 17th against 18th and your, your steady out survival is on the line practically. As much as these coaches tried to dismiss that this could mean relegation for the loser, you, you know, that's just coach speak. You know, deep down, really hard to stay up without winning this game. Yep. Um, so I saw it get really chippy. I, you know, to the, the point with the Lapadula goal, and he took it well, but I thought Caliente got really, really casual in that moment. Yep. Um, a lot of flat-footedness, a lot of just slow to, slow to act on certain things, and that's where it freed up uh, uh, Lapadula. And I think it was, and I can't remember the defender, it was a, it was a 2v1 type of situation um, where Caprari was able to get the ball in between the lines, between the midfield and the defense. And the midfield didn't track to pick him up, and it left a defender stranded. And Lapadula sees that he kind of just drifts off, you know, kind of just peels off a little bit and there's the space to play him and he's in. But I kind of an overall team goof up by Caliente to allow that to happen. I think they kind of got caught napping. They switched off and, you know, Caprari and, and Lapadula are players that are going to take advantage of that and they did. Yeah, they certainly did. And uh, you, we wondered when the next goal would come, uh, you know, because Benevento was putting immense pressure on Cranio. Uh, Cranio was doing what he could to, to keep the score very low. Um, but with the, the next goal, the guy you just mentioned who tried to get in a street brawl, Pavoletti, uh, he ended up getting wide open on, on a set piece, uh, gets a tap in for a header for a goal. Uh, 2-1 at that point, uh, Frank, and it's Kylie looking good. Um, and then I want to mention a substitution, and it's uh, Quadua Asamoa. Uh, he comes into the match. Um, and it, it's very insignificant of a move, but in the uh, I forget what minute it was. This shortly after he came on, uh, he or he he takes down Viola. Viola finally gets into the match. Uh, the guy who we've been screaming to start in this start this game, uh, he gets taken down in the box. Uh, initially, it's called a penalty. Uh, they go to VAR, uh, and somehow VAR says no goal, no penalty. Um, this is certainly controversial. I, I know. Uh, the I think it was on ESPN. They were saying like, if this was Juve Milan, this would have the whole world, you know, talking about it. Um, this didn't get enough plug that it should have because I thought this was a crime. It should have been a penalty against Asamoah. Uh, There's certainly contact, in my opinion. I'm curious what your thoughts are. And Benevento did get screwed on that play in particular. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was surprised they pulled it. Um, you know, I was surprised that they didn't give the penalty there. And I think that, that they, uh, they were saying like Viola was diving maybe or whatever, but there was contact. That's the point. There was significant contact it wasn't just like he tapped and it was leg to leg and he took him out maybe yeah. viola overacted overreacted but it was a penalty there was there was maybe a i mean there, there was maybe with viola there was maybe a little hint of overselling it sure sure um and that's probably what the referee interpreted and, and why he took the decision to not award it um but yeah i it, it's one of those that you can be fouled and oversell it, and it's fine, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. that's what I would say. Um, I mean, I'm if I if I'm fouled in the penalty area, I'm trying to sell it like hell to the referee. You know, absolutely. Um, so it's just it, it's one of those. It was bad judgment on the referee's part. It was a bad call. But 
on the whole, that's not what's going to sink Benevento. <laughs> okay. No. And that's not what's going to send them down. Right. I mean, it sucks. This particular thing sucks, but this isn't what's going to get them relegated. Uh, no, so, it's not. It's not. Um, and I heard some interesting commentary, and it was actually I, I usually when I hear commentary from ESPN, I don't I don't necessarily agree with what they say. But this one I thought was interesting because they were saying like people are blaming the referee, and really it's the VAR guy who calls the referee and says, "Hey, you may want to double check this," and he starts giving you start giving the referee self doubt. Maybe he's like, "Oh, maybe I didn't get it," and then you know you get that call, and who knows what's said back there because Jerry says the fix is in. Maybe um, you know he goes in there and sees the VAR and changes it. Uh, but I think originally the referee made the right call. It's just yeah. when the VAR jumped in, you start second-guessing yourself. And I thought that was an interesting comment that, you know, we don't know what was said back there. But, you know, if someone, the camera, you know, VAR comes to you and says, hey, you want to check this, look at this again, you start saying, okay, maybe I missed this up. And maybe you start self-doubting and you start looking for other things to change that call. I don't sure. know. Yeah, I mean, it's um, every, every, that's a problem. It's the human element of this. Even with VAR, yeah. referees are going to interpret it differently across the board. <laughs> I see how Jerry is uh, interpreting it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, so two to one at that point, uh, or yeah, it was still two to one at that point. No penalty for uh, Benevento. They're still steaming and, and pissed off about this. And uh, yeah, I guess that, that kind of threw them off enough because uh, Joe Pedro would end up getting a goal at the end uh, to seal the victory. Three one. Cali get big three points on the road. Uh, when's the last time we said Cali win on the road? Right. Um, yeah. Impressive. They got three wins, uh, three points, I should say, and uh, if they jump up to thirty-five points now, and a little bit more breathing room now uh, between them and and Benevento, who are now in the bottom three. So um, a relegation six-pointer it was. It was a good match, I think. Uh, Cranio, you know, deserves a lot of credit for for the work he did. The whole team in general. I mean, they they found a way to get the, the three points in this one. Um, looking at the stats, you know, uh, six saves for Cranio. I mean, that's it, he he was big in this game. I thought uh, he had some key point blank saves both in the first half and the second half um but uh yeah Calady, big points i'm gonna give the hot take that Calady will be officially safe after tomorrow um because i think they're going to beat fiorentina um in sardinia as well as fiorentina have been playing even if fiorentina beat lazio jerry <laughs> lazio can't defend right these days <laughs> milan is the only team that couldn't figure that out we'll get the lazio yeah exactly milan um but you know, I, I think they're going to win, and I think Benevento is going to lose to Atalanta tomorrow. So I think that that's going to mean Cagliari is going to be safe with two games to go because it's going to put them seven points clear of 18th. Mm -hmm. So that's that's where this victory goes a long way. And now I think the Fiorentina, they're going to scrap their way to that win. It's not going to be pretty, but I think they're going to get it done. I'm going to look at a 2-1 kind of scoreline there. You know, they're not going to keep Vlaovic out all game, not the way he's been running. No. Uh, the only person that's going to be able to keep Vlaovic out is Yakini if he, for some reason, doesn't want to play him tomorrow. Um, but anyway, um, Benevento has just been an unbelievable free fall. Their defending has been poor. Um, and they're at a space right now where they're going to get Atalanta tomorrow. And, you know, you're looking at some of these other teams and some of the games that they're going to be faced with, and they're all going to have a chance to get a little bit of distance from Benevento. I think that, like I said, Caliari in particular – I think after tomorrow they're going to be safe, and they're going to get to 38 points. Um, and uh, Benevento is going to be seen on 31 with two games to play. If be if and when Benevento get the drop, um, do they give it to people? That's the question because he did so well in City B, uh, and he might be the perfect fit for City B. Maybe let him go back to City B and 
do well there and then then find a new manager when he comes back to city yeah i don't know well, what are your thoughts on on people and the safety of his of his job um and you know people it, will always have a special place in my heart for what he contributed to milan and the two goals that he scored in the two, 2007 final is his job more safe than pirlo i said pirlo's job is more safer than people's. pirlo's job is more safe yeah, yeah i i think people can get i, I think people is getting sacked yeah because I think you're at a point when you, you know, to uh, Greek Invaders Footy's message, two wins in, during the 21, 2021 calendar year right now for Benevento, suggests to you that the message is gone. You Weren't know, they up to like 10th place at one point? They were up in the mid-tables around, yeah. around, around the mid-season. Yeah. They just... it's, it's time for a new voice, and it's time to restructure some things. It's time to – you're going to have to move on from some players that are not going to want to play in Serie B. They're going to – find work and Caprati is going to find another team to join up with. Um, it, I, I think an interesting place for him, depending on what Fiorentina do for a manager. I think Caprati would be very interesting at Fiorentina um, yeah. in a partnership with Vlaovic if Vlaovic stays. So, um, so, you know, that's, that's one guy, you know, there's Viola who showed some good form and deserved to have the opportunity to stay with the Serie A team, you know, so Benevento has some players here, can't see, you know, can't see Glick wanting to play in Seti B unless he's at the stage of his career where he's happy where he is. So maybe. Um, so I think they're going to sack people. They're going to have to move on from several players, and they're going to probably have to just get a new voice in that can bring a new message that can inspire you know what they recruit, uh, you know, to work in Seti B and work their way back up. Ventura. <laughs> <laughs> He's a decent yeah. club man. He's been a decent club manager. He was awful at Kievo, but yeah. he didn't have anything to work with there. Yeah. You know, hmm. I don't want to totally man, you know, his his time with the Nazionale just stains him though. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever he goes. Yeah. So, yeah, Cagliari, I think after tomorrow are in position to pretty much be safe. So, so we'll see what happens. Uh quick whip through here Richard of the uh, rest of the uh, City A slate Napoli opened things up by winning at Spezia by four goals to one. Uh, Osimhen on the double, Pietro Zielinski scoring, uh, Lozano scoring in the 79th minute, a Roberto Piccoli goal in the 64th as a consolation for Spezia. Napoli, uh, just deadly. I mean, the possession was actually relatively even, which you kind of expect with Spezia. They like to play with the ball, yeah. you know, they're not going to sit back and pack it in against you. Um, but Napoli took their chances better. A 1-1 draw between Udinese and Bologna. Rodrigo Di Paul scoring again in the 23rd minute, a uh, goal that would get canceled out by a Riccardo Orsolini penalty mm -hmm. um, with about 10 minutes to go before the game ended. That's, a much, that's about as much as we needed to say about that game. Inter celebrating being champions in style by thrashing Sampdoria 5-1, and Sampdoria had the guard of honor. How, how much did it have to suck? For guys like Antonio Candreva and Keita Balde and, and some of the former Inter players that are on Sampdoria <laughs> to have to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Bobby Gaggs scored in the fourth minute. Goal and assist for him, too. Jeez. That's how, that's how great Inter's got it right now. They're getting him on the score seat. My goodness. Um, Alexis Sanchez with an assist from Bobby Gaggs in the 26th minute. Bobby Gaggs playing the game of his life. Now there's not any pressure on him. Um, a former interplayer gets in on the act for Sampdoria, Gatebaldi in the 35th minute, Alexis again in the 36th. Uh, Andrea Pinomonti gets a turn uh, and scores just about on the hour, and then a Lautaro Martinez penalty 
in the 70th minute. Uh, Inter just thrashed them. Um, had a little bit more possession. Shots were even in this game. Inter certainly did their job getting it on target. And then Fiorentina 2, Lazio 0. Dusan Vlaovic on the double. The man just can't stop scoring, Richard. Assisted once by Cristiano Biraghi and then on the second one by Eric Pulgar. Uh, Andreas Pereira getting sent off very late in the game. Um, Fiorentina only had 29% possession in this game, Richard. They only needed they only needed a couple shots, right? Vlahovic is just a man of form. Jerry, how does your team have seventy one percent of the ball and you lose two nil? <laughs> Good question. Good question oh for Jerry. Oh my goodness! I mean, if your team's been playing this way lately, when they've had success lately, is they've let the other team have possession and they counter. They have the, the the team that's set up to to counter, and you know, Vlahovic is this anything he touches is gold at the moment. Uh, between him and Osiman, they're both are like on fire at the moment. The two youngsters, two young strikers, so. Yeah, it just uh, they didn't need they didn't need, they didn't need to do much. You know, they just waited their opportunities and they were clinical. And you know, teams, if you're gonna play that way, you have to be clinical. And, and luckily for Fiorentina in this case, they were because uh, otherwise it would just it would have been you know egg on their face and uh, completely demolishing by by Lazio. But Lazio couldn't put the ball in the back net. Targowski had some big saves in the game. I thought he played really really well. Yep. Um, and yeah, just the opportunities that Lazio had weren't great. It, they had some, they had you know, all the possession and stuff, but how many decent chances did they have? I mean, uh, less than a handful. Um, and so, full credit goes to Fiorentino with their game plan because this seems to be working the last couple of weeks. I don't like when you give the other team all the possession and try to counter, um, but it worked. It worked for them. So what, what you can you say? A guy like Vlaovic up on the other end, why not? Right? Yep. I mean, it's a full cherubi was terrible. He says, you know, that's what Jerry says that a cherubi was terrible. It's like, yeah, yeah. Lazio's defense has been terrible lately, uh, except when they play in Milan. <laughs> yep, full on shithousery on the part of Fiorentina to all but assure their safety into Serie A for next. And they're safe. They're going to be fine. Yeah, not, yeah. yeah like I, I think said, they clinched that in that yeah, game. Yeah, Benevento's losing to Atalanta tomorrow. So I mean, it's it's yeah. it's what it is. So. Um, speaking of success, Sassuolo keep on winning. 2-1 this time at Genoa. Raspadori in the 14th, Berardi mm-hmm. in the 66th, and then it was uh, Zappacosta with a consolation uh, for uh, Genoa in the 85th minute. Um, moving on, Hellas Verona and Torino, 1-1, an important point for Torino, Torino in there quest to uh survive but it should have been three points uh Voivoda putting him ahead in the 85th minute uh but Federico Di Marco once again scoring uh in the 88th for um Hellas Verona Hellas Verona actually outshot Torino 24 to 7 uh in this game six shots on target uh so uh no doubt Sirigu had a big game uh for Torino to keep a minute Atalanta did Atalanta things to Parma they win five to two uh Malinowski uh Parma didn't even try that's just the that's just the thing I'm surprised they got two goals yeah they were surprised it was only five um Malinowski uh put them up one nil that would be the score at halftime and then Gasparini does Gasparini things he takes out Ilicic at halftime for Pizzina and what does Pizzina do he scores scores 52nd minute um Luis Muriel in the 77th and in the 86th and then Alexi Miranchuk who I think is going to be a star uh, on this Atalanta team. Uh, this was this was the transition year for him to get used to playing in Italy, but I think that he's going to get unleashed here soon. Uh, 93rd there. Uh, Juan Brunetta in the 78th minute scoring for Parma, and then Simon Som on an mm. assist from Graziano Pelle in the 88th. Those are consolations for Parma. 
Yeah. How do you like the yeah. jerseys? The jerseys by Atalanta, they were nice. The blue ones, crisps? Yeah, I liked it. A little change of pace. I don't know. Gasparini, Gasparini looked like he was wearing a, like a, a jail jumpsuit or something with his. Yeah, blue. what was that about? It was like a like denim was, jacket. Like it was, uh, it was, uh, Canadian tuxedo is what it was. Looked like. It was like a shop <laughs> uniform, like a plant uniform. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what the hell is that? But I like Atalanta's uniform jerseys. They were really nice. I thought. He's gonna get on the assembly line there or something. <laughs> exactly. So. Roma beat Cotoni five nil uh, as uh, I think it's audition time for all of these players for Jose Mourinho now. Um, so that's their motivation. Uh, Borja Mayoral, uh, boy, the Mayoral, and all five of these came in the second half, by the way. I think that's when they got the news about Mourinho as a halftime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, they, there's no one at halftime. And, uh, Fonseca said, listen, I'm leaving. And, and the next guy coming in, isn't going to tolerate any of this. So you guys might want to play. Yeah. Um, Mayoral in the 47th minute from, uh, Mkhitaryan Pellegrini in the 70th from Santon. Pellegrini again in the 73rd from Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan would get on this, would score a goal in the 78th. Karsdorp played him in. And then Myrell yeah, in the nice. 90th uh, from Nikola Zalewski. Um, 61% possession for Roma. Outshot Crotone 22 to 7. Uh, so, Richard, uh, where would you like to begin on these games? Uh, Roma, I thought, had a little bit of a hangover. To start the game, uh, obviously they they won their game against United all for not right. They still got eliminated what eight to four yep. or something. But um, yeah, yeah, I thought they the first half was very they had very much hungover. I thought they weren't playing well. They had a lot of possession, weren't doing anything with it. Uh, but they obviously woke up in that second half and got some goals. So uh, that was good to see, at least on their part. Um, I mean, Atalanta doing Atalanta things. There's not much really to talk about there. It's just uh, getting some goals as as they always do. Um, I think uh, the the big takeaway for me out of all these games is you know Fiorentina getting that win against Lazio. That was mm-hmm. uh, I did not expect that to, at all. I, I I fully expected that game at best to be a draw, but mostly expecting Lazio to win that. And the game was not. I mean, we talked about the statistics in that game, but uh, yeah, Fiorentina came to play and they they got the win and they secured their place for uh, Serie A next season. Yep, for sure. Um... And uh, you look at some of this other stuff here, you know, Sampdoria as a team, and, you know, we talk Udinese losing 4-1 to Napoli. I mean, these are teams that are done and packing it in. Uh, be curious to see how Bologna come out tomorrow for their game. Um, they're playing Genoa. Um, uh, we've got, you know, Cality, like I said, has a chance to, uh, to secure uh, safety uh, for next year with a win over Fiorentina. Um, Fiorentina, like I said, like you said, they're safe. Uh, they're back next year. Let's see what kind of improvements they make. Uh, you know, Napoli and Atalanta, they're just going to crush and kill everything in their path and, and, and make sure they leave no doubt about their uh, place in top four and getting into the Champions League next season. So, you know, certainly fully expect to do that. And, and you know, to Presidente's point, Lazio's in this conversation still. Sure. Um, you know, win, sure. beat Parma, and if you can win the makeup, you're against um, – uh, Torino, a lot of things, you know, a lot of things still have to go their way, uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but it's going to take them needing to win four straight, which could be uh, a bit of a mountain to climb for them. So we'll see, you know, we'll definitely take a look and see what happens there. So, um, I think that that's where I'm at on those games. Um, you know, Parma and Crotone pretty much playing up the stretch before they head back to city B next season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Spezia is the one team that this could be interesting in terms of between them and Benevento. I actually find, I think Cali and Torino are going to be safe. I just hope they're not safe at the expense of Milan. 
Um, and uh, yeah, I think that it is legitimately down to Spezia and, and Benevento as to uh, who's going to take up that uh, remaining relegation uh, spot. So. I say you just let them play three more times for the rest of the season and let them figure it out themselves. Yep. Goals of the week, I only have three. Okay. Um, and I know there were a lot of goals and a lot of quality goals, but I'm going to go number three, the Lico Giannis goal. Okay. Um, on the uh, set piece, number two, uh, Brian Diaz uh, to open the scoring. And number one, um, the the blast from Rebic was phenomenal. So 3-2-1 okay. uh, for me. Honorable mention, giving some shouts to some goalkeepers. Dragovsky, as you said, but Cranio also with six saves for Cali to help preserve the win for Cali against Benevento. Yep, no, I, I agree about those. Um, I will mention Rodrigo DePaul with his goal uh, for Udinese. Uh, Inter's team goal where Pinamonte scored, I thought it was really nicely done there. Another team goal, Sassuolo, uh, with Raspadori getting his first goal of the game. I thought that was really nice. Um, so that was my honorable mentions. Number five for me, Osimhen, uh, his second goal in the game uh, against Spezia. I thought he took it really well off that set piece to get it off his chest and then put it past the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four for me, Zapacosta for Genoa it was a consolation goal, but I thought it was really, really well taken. Yeah, I have the same top three, just not the same order. Uh, number three for me has Brahim Diaz, uh, really well taken. Uh, you know, the skill just to get the ball settled uh, was better than almost as good as a shot, right? Uh, Rebic, like I said, I slightly better than than Diaz. I thought it was a great goal, great great power on the shot, and Liko Jonas for me is number one. Just the whole okay. set play, uh, the shot was great, but I thought the whole play in general was just a thing of beauty. Uh, you rarely see the set pieces work that well, so uh, that's why it's number one for me. Yeah, I mean, there's no debate. I mean, we're, we're we at least are in agreement on the top three, so. Yep. Tomorrow will be fun. Eight games, not necessarily simultaneously. I think Caledy and Fiorentina are kicking off before the other seven. Um, but nonetheless, we'll get into – yeah, Phil. Phil's going to segue us into some coaching moves here. And, uh, you know, we're going to let, – let's answer his question first. I mean, yep. we're going to talk about Marino to Roma, but let's talk about uh, – uh, that's going to be possibly going to Shakhtar Donetsk. Is that a done deal yet? I know Fabrizio Romano is commenting on it, but uh... yeah, it's close. I don't know if it's confirmed officially that he's signing, but it's, it's pretty close. Uh, it would be a big loss, a massive loss to Syria, I think, if yeah. you were to go, because he was linked to many big clubs in Syria, at least, or at least we linked them at least. Um, I, I think he's a fantastic manager, and what he did with what he's done with Sassuolo so far has been uh, superb. And I, I was hoping part of me that they would stay with Sassuolo and keep working on them and try to get them closer to, you know, securing a definite champion or Europa League spot and maybe even contending for the top four next year. Who knows, you know, if everyone plays and no one's injured. But, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on on the possible rumors that he goes to Shakhtar Donetsk? I think his style is a great fit for the talent they have there. You know, I think they would actually become a tougher out in the Champions League. Uh, than they've been. They're going to be free playing. They're going to be free scoring. And I think that they're going to, I mean, Shakhtar has historically been a nuisance at the European level. Yep. Um, I think they could be even more of a nuisance under him. I, 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 I hate seeing him leave, yep. but I really like the fit for him. This is his um, best cha- best shot for Champions League, no doubt. Sure, sure. Until he comes back, you know, and it's a great chance for him to, you know, to prove his chops at that level, you know, to, make his resume more attractive for one of the big Italian clubs in the future. So mm-hmm. um, it's a big miss for Sassuolo. But you know what? If it, Given how stable things have been at Sassuolo for the last, you know, 15-some-odd years, 
I trust their judgment and who they'll be able to get to continue to steer the ship, and I think they're going to be fine. Are they going to be top six, top seven? Fine, probably not. But I think Sassuolo has established themselves to be a regular Serie A fixture. Now, if they fire sale a bunch of these guys in the summer, we're going to have to think about it a little bit differently. But I don't see yep. that happening. Um, you know, there's no really in, real indication that it's going to happen. Um, so we'll see. Um, but I, 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 I like, I hate that Zerbi's leaving Serie A, but I like the fit for him considering the talent that's over there at Shakhtar. Yeah, I think, I think it has, like you mentioned, it's a great opportunity for him to kind of, uh, show himself to the world stage, so to speak, because, you know, Shakhtar is in the, in the Champions League often, uh, Shakhtar is a team that's well known, uh, throughout the world. And so, you know, he'll get more, more, he'll be more in the limelight, more people will start looking at him and, and the way they play. And, you know, he'll get his chance to be a little bit more creative than he can in City A. City A is very tactical and he's going to a league that's not as tactical. So he can get to try some things that maybe he didn't get to try with, with Sassuolo as often. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's going to have some Brazilian players as well that, you know, he's not going to not be used to. And he might start liking these and start signing them everywhere he goes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a good fit. I hate I hate the move because he's leaving Serie A, but I think overall this could be really good for De Zerbi and maybe eventually has his name called up for the for the Azuri or or one of the big top four, top six, top eight teams in Serie A. So uh, yeah, it's uh, best of luck to him if that's the that's what happens, and uh, hopefully he he improves and doesn't go you know regress you know like we've seen with EDF and others who've uh, went to bigger clubs. Sure, most definitely. So yeah, I, I like the fit. So. The other big, uh, the other big story as far as managers on the move, um, Jose Mourinho is back in Serie A. He, you know, and this is relatively old news uh, given how quick things fly around nowadays. But our first chance to give our take on it. But Jose Mourinho going to Roma. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's. Um... Well, obviously, having I know everyone's already talking. How many titles is he going to win with Roma? Um... One, I, I've said this before, even he joined Roma, that he's been on the decline and he hasn't really done well. Uh, will he make Roma better? I, I think he will compared to Fonseca. Um, they will be better defensively, I think. Um, but we've also seen with Mourinho that some of the guys that are currently on Roma, he's had issues with in the past. And they've kind of reason why they're at Roma now is because they got the, kind of discarded by him. So how's that going to work out? Um, I don't know if it's going to be as peachy and rosy as, as many Romanisti think. Uh, I could be wrong, and that's fine if I'm wrong. I hope I am wrong, but um, I think they'll make Roma be a contender again for Europa League, certainly. Um, will they will they give trouble to the top four, like the Champions League teams? Yeah, a little bit, but I don't yeah. know if they're going to contend for Champions League, at least the first year. We'll see. Can he last more than a year? Um, it'll, it'll certainly make the team better, but I don't know if it's going to win all these trophies that you know people are talking about. He may win... Uh, better chance to win a Coppa Italia maybe than anything else, but uh, I don't I don't know if it's going to be that vast of a difference as as people are hoping. What about you? I, I just there's such a I mean it's a real lazy take to say that there's such a wide range of outcomes that can come with this hire, but there really is That's a wide true. range of That's outcomes true. that can come with this hire. Um, Roma defensively have been so bad, and it's not even you know that. It's it's not bad luck. It's not any of this other stuff. I mean, this is a team, and I said this on Alex's radio show on Friday night. This is a team that defensively, and this has even been before Fonseca, the players just lack the detail that comes with defending effectively. How many times do you see players wide open in the penalty area in crossing situations when you go against Roma? That they just leave people, you know? Every play, every play. 
Yeah, just about every time. Um, you know, some silly fouling. There's, there, there's, there's lots of little things. I think that Jose is going to clean that up. But <clears throat> to, the, to, to what effect? I don't know if it means trophies for Roma, but we'll see. Um, clearly, there, Jose's coming with the idea that there's going to be players coming too. Yep. That he's been given guarantees by the ownership um, that they're going to they're going to strengthen the squad. They're going to make every effort to get the undisclosed contracts. Yep. So, otherwise, he wouldn't be coming. Now, as far as the wide range of outcomes, Roma might be getting a rental because we're talking about a man who has won everything, but his reputation as a manager has taken a hit after his last couple of stops. It didn't go. It didn't end well at Man United, and it didn't end well at Tottenham. Um, so, if he gets off and running at Roma and is really flying, another big club might jump on it and take their chances and welcome him back and bring him back, and he's gone. All right. So that's one outcome. Another outcome. I remember him saying, "Quote: I hate Italian football, and Italian football hates me." End quote. And he could remember that, and he could just quit on the spot. Um, because he was it's just so reminded of how much he didn't like it, even in his time at Inter winning the treble. Um, another outcome is that he really has regressed as a manager and can't get the message across to the players anymore. And it fails within eight months. So all of these outcomes are very, very possible. Or he could be there for two to three seasons and say, hey, I need to hang my hat somewhere here and I need to try to resurrect this thing at Roma and I'm, I'm, I'm on board for the long haul. So, I mean, I, this really is, there is such a wide range of outcomes here, Richard. It is, it is. But I think this, you know, ultimately it is a good, it's a great move for City. Yeah. It's, it's great for Roma because they got the recognition with a big name. Um, everybody knows Mourinho, so that yeah. people are going to want to pay tune, tune in to see what he's going to do. Um, yeah. It's great for Serie A because you potentially have all the, already the, all the great managers in Serie A at the moment. Imagine him against Conte with the yapping. Uh, you possibly could have Sarri coming back. You could have possibly Allegri coming back, as you hear some rumors. Uh, yeah. So imagine that coaching this brilliancy, you know, in the in the league. Um, you also got to imagine that he's going to set up Roma really well defensively. He knows yeah. the league as much as he hates the league. He he knows how to win in this league, and he'll. He'll, he'll set up shop. He'll, he'll play, park the bus, and find ways to win that way. And you know, if they keep if he keeps that midfield the way it is, he can make that work. Um, yeah. I think the number one thing he'll change is defense. Defense is going to yeah. be much better under Mourinho, um, and they'll have a, the winning mentality at least early on. Um, so I think it's a great move for the league, great move for Roma. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sold yet on that it's going to work, but I think. Um, I'm, Good on Roma for, for, for getting him. And if they can bring in some players to help him out to fit whatever kind of style he wants to do, yeah. um, you know, great. That's great. Um, but I think it's going to be entertaining football for City Odd, City Odd fans, and people from outside the league too, because more people are going to start tuning in with this to see what Mourinho's doing. So, I mean, basically, it's, it's, this is a really simple thing to say. Roma needed a manager like Mourinho, Mourinho needed a job like Roma. Yeah. I mean, it, it, so in, the, in that, a, given, given the state of Mourinho's career and where Roma is at in terms of their performances, this is one where they need each other. And it's now, the marriage we didn't think we needed. <laughs> yeah, but, and, and, and we benefit because Serie A gets a, a manager who has had a decorated history. He's has, a talker too. <laughs> has a way with words, 
<laughs> so we're going to get some sound bites. I love his sound bites. I love, I love his sound bites. I do. So, so we get to benefit from all of that. So, um, so we're looking forward to it. Um, Maybe we see a return of Balotelli if he doesn't join with Monza. And get promoted. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's that happening. I think that I think that ship has sailed. <laughs> uh, should we try to see if we can help people win a little money? Sure, sure. Before we do that, um, two two quick things, real quick. Uh, Buffon announcing his retirement, second retirement with Juventus. A lot of rumors mm-hmm. that maybe he goes to Parma next year and City B to try to help them just in his last hurrah. Uh, but uh, yeah, his, his he's leaving. And then also the big news of today actually is Verratti, the injury uh, that possibly could affect the Euros and the Azzurri. Um, thoughts on both, real quick, on 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 those news bits from today. I mean, Buffon needs no endorsement from me um, on his career. Yeah. Or you or, or anybody in the chat. Yeah. Um, greatest goalkeeper, one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time. I don't understand the negative comments about Buffon, especially from Juventini. Uh, I saw a lot of that on Twitter. Um, but yeah. I mean, I what do you want? You. How, you know how old the guy is? I mean, yeah, he's like 75. Let him alone. Yeah. He's, he's, at a fe- he's one of the best goalkeepers ever, if not the best. Like, yeah. leave him alone. He deserves it, whatever he wants. Let him do what he wants. Yeah. So the charismatic, Verratti, too. Verratti injury, I'd have a lot more concern if it if we didn't have the development of players like Locatelli. Um, you've got Jorginho still there. You've got Barella still there. You know, we'll see if Sensi can get his legs back under them. I mean, it's escaping me the other midfielder that was key without Verratti on the oh, last oh, round oh, of yeah. qualifiers. Um. Oh, that's right. Pellegrini's been de- Pellegrini's been decent when asked. I think there's enough to cover. Um, I think there's enough to cover what um, what Ferrati means to the national team. Yeah, yeah, so, I, I do too. And right now, initially, they're saying four to six weeks injury, or maybe six to eight, but it's too early to tell. I mean, if nothing else, Locatelli, who deserves to get some opportunity, will get the start. I, yeah, least- yeah, I remember the qualifiers. I thought actually Locatelli was really good. So, he could take the bull by the horns and run away with this thing if he plays really, really well. This is his. This is his chance, I think. And uh, you have four great options in the midfield. You know, if Ferrati's healthy, yeah. so uh, that's not a problem. I know many people are like worried about it, but I'm not. I think there's a lot of depth there. Sure, you're going to miss Verratti, um, but uh, imagine Locatelli hits the ground running, does really well. Then you have Verratti come back healthy, and then you can just play whoever you think is the hot man. So, yeah, I think they're okay. Um, it sucks about the injury. Um, but uh, I think uh, Locatelli is more than capable of, of taking the reins on that, especially with Jorginho and Barella, who are just masterful this season. Uh, yeah. And they, they, they should continue to do that this uh, next coming years. I mean, at a minimum, you have him out through the group stage, regardless yeah. of how they spin this. Yeah. And he might be available for the knockouts. And at that point, you're going to have to monitor his fitness and do you take the risk. So we'll see. You, yeah. can, take his, you can take him, take time to re- get him to recover. You don't rush him out there. You have Locatelli who can you know, manage it, like you said, in the group stage. And then once Verratti is truly healthy, you can bring him on. It's like same thing as Zaniolo. Don't rush him out there. He's, he's prone to injury. Let him, maybe he was given the year off for Zaniolo. Uh, just let these guys fully recover before you bring him on because otherwise you're going to have a recurring injury possibly. And that makes it worse than anything else. So, Yep. Yep, for sure. Well, now let's try to help people win some money. All you right. Screen here. I do. Okay. What do you What do you have opened up here? I don't know. Uh, go to. Should I close this? Yeah. Yeah. Open up that. Open up draft now. Ah, okay. That's what I can do. Okay, so we have a seven game 
slate on DraftKings tomorrow for City A. Uh, 2.45 Eastern time uh, is when this kicks off. Um, you run through the seven-game slate. It's Atalanta hosting Benevento, Bologna hosting Genoa, Sassuolo hosting Juventus, Torino hosting Milan, Lazio hosting Parma, and Inter hosting Roma. All right, so seven games. That's a lot of players to pick from. Okay, you're picking – you're trying to – you you know – 14 different starting 11s doing the math in my head. I think that's 154 players, uh, you know, when it comes down to it. So one of the things that you got to do sometimes when you're doing, doing daily fantasy sports is you need to take a, a slate. Like if, if NBA has like a 12 game slate, mm-hmm. you got to narrow it down to Couple four games. or five games that you want to target, you know, and you usually you're looking at the Vegas totals to see what the high totals are and all this other stuff. Um, here we're going to try to look at where the best spots are. Okay, so with a seven-game city oscillate, which seven games is usually is, is pretty big for soccer, we got to try to knock some games out right off the bat. I'm not going to play anybody in the Bologna Genoa game. Yep. I'm not going to play anybody in the Torino Milan game. I expect that to be a scrap with under two and a half goals, a one nil, one one kind of game. I I hope Milan wins one nil. Um. And this might come to bite me, but I don't think I want anyone from the Inter-Roma game. Okay? I can see that. Um, so let's tick. If you can, like, highlight and check mark um, the rest of these games here then. Um, Atalanta-Benevento, Sassuolo-Juve, Lazio-Parma, and then, what's the other game? Sampdoria-Spezia. All right. You could might you might even be able to make a point where you could take out the Sampdoria Spezia game. Um if you wanted to. But we'll we'll keep them highlighted. All right, just for the sake of discussion. So right away you take a lot of players out of your player pool. Now, the team that's in the absolute ultimate smash spot is Atalanta. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to highlight them. They're massively favored against Benevento. They need the three points uh, to continue to keep their place in top four. And they're getting a Benevento team, Richard, that just lost what might have been the most important game of the season to them. Okay, so they're coming in with heads hanging. Um, This should be fresh meat for Atalanta, shouldn't it? It certainly should. It should be a... A goal fest for them, I would think, if if nothing else, four goals. <laughs> right. But as you can see, they're expensive. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to be suffering quite a bit here um, trying to jam three of these guys in. Now, the last time we did this, people jammed in M- Ilicic and Muriel and I think one other Atalanta player, maybe one of the wingbacks, and then they just took their chances with cheap fillers like center backs that might be able to score on set pieces. And that's a strategy you can certainly try to do. I think you're going to have to have at least two Atalanta guys in your lineup if you expect to win any money. All right. Um, So if I go to SofaScore right now, and I'm taking a look at that on my phone, um, and we're going to build this lineup and try to keep it. Uh, They're projecting Zapata to start up front. They're they're projecting Piscina, Muriel, Malinowski, 
um, you know, hot to board, the usual cast of characters. I think that Gasparini at this point are going to run these guys into the ground to get top four. Yeah, I know there's a there's a Coppa Italia for them, but certainly top four is a bigger priority. Um, right off the bat, you got to make a decision between Muriel and and Zapata, and there might be arguments where you might be able to play them both. So, here's what I'm going to do. Um, let's build a lineup where we play both Muriel and Zapata. So let's have them take our forward spots. All right, Muriel and then Zapata. Actually, let's put Muriel in the utility so that we have a, a space for another forward. So right off the bat, that takes your average play, average remaining to 4,800 a player, which doesn't look good. <laughs> so, <laughs> at, you know, so from there, you got to make some real, real interesting decisions. Lazio's still chasing something, and they're a big favorite against Parma. So they're another team that I would have some interest in. I'm not paying 10900 for Chiro Immobile on this slate, though. Sorry, Jerry. Yeah, I, I just – not when Muriel's 11500 oh, and I get it. Oh, yep. <laughs> um, He's questionable I, anyway. And even Correa is really expensive at 9200 Yeah. You know, for a guy that if he's going to be that much, you better get a goal out of him. But – can I get Alberto in there in the midfield? Let, let me just see how that looks. That puts me down to 4,000 a player um, if I play Luis Alberto against Parma, okay? Which means we're dumpster diving now for forward. So if I've got, I've got Zapata at forward, we've got Alberto. Are you, put Alberto in a midfield spot, though, not at oh, a yeah. forward. Let's see if we can keep that forward spot open. I'm not used to this uh, this right here, so yep. patience. <laughs> okay, nope, there no worries. Go. There we go. There we go. This is where we might have to look at Spezia players to give us some value. Um, traveling to Sampdoria. You don't know how invested Sampdoria are going to be at this stage in the season. And I'm just trying to look at their pricing right now. Chiasi is forty six hundred. Let me just peek at. They project him to start tomorrow. Yep, he's in there. And for forty six hundred, a guy that's going to probably play about seventy minutes at a minimum in a game that they need, I would make him our second forward. Okay. Just Chiasi. because you're gonna you're gonna need it. Okay. Um. You're going to need the, you know, you're going to need the savings. You're going to need some value. And he's a guy that is going to be in a game that Spezia has got to try to get something out of to continue their survival. And he's a player that at his price can get you enough crosses and shots and rack some things up. And if he gets a goal, we're going to be way ahead of everybody else um, in this field because he's, people aren't going to think to click his name. So... Um, after that, so now we've got to try to find some value at, it's not a slate where I want to spend up at goalkeeper. So let's get goalkeeper out of the way. All right. Um, we see sports yellow is at 5,900. We can't, we're not going to be able to afford that if we're going to go this route with playing both Muriel and Zapata. Um, we need to get into the four thousands, uh, maybe even to the 48, maybe, might be able to spend 4,800 on Providell. Um, but you know where I'm going? Andrea Consigli. 
Oh, yeah, that's a good shot. 4,100. Against the Juve that you know are going to shoot. Against the Sassuolo team that's going to yield some shots. It's a home team, big underdog, and he kind of gives us a little bit of savings. So, um, so that's that. Now let's go to the defender position, and let's see if we can find another value there. And I think I want to try to go to the Spezia team again. What's Marquita coming at? Pizza plays left back for Spezia. He's not projected to start for SofaScore, but um, he's 3,700. Yep. Let's just throw him in there. We don't know what Spezia's starting lineup is going to be, but he's at a price that helps us fit our build. Now, all right, so what do we got here? We've got Giassi, Zapata, Alberto, Marquitza, Consigli, and Muriel. Um, so if we're playing too expensive Atalanta guys, Richard, we're going to have to take a chance on uh, a cheap defender. We're going to have to take a chance on a center back that might have a chance to score a goal, um, in, uh, you know, on a, on a set piece. All right. Um, so here's where I'm, here's where I'm going with this. There's a couple of Lazio players that I'm interested in that I want to be able to pair with um, that I want to be able to actually let's go into the midfield and go for value. There's a couple of Lazio players that are in there that I want to be able to pair with Alberto against Parma that nobody's going to do it. People are going to go to Lazio. They're going to try to go to Caicedo, Correa, Immobile, um, and they're going to go to Alberto, which we're going to just bite the bullet and take them, right? Right. Okay. Here's a couple of options. With Lucas Leva out, with Sergei Milinkovic Savic out, Andreas Pereira suspended. We've got Marco Parolo sitting there at three thousand. That's pretty tasty. Yeah, he should be getting some playing time. Um they have been deputizing Marusic as a defender, and they don't have him listed as a defender here on DraftKings. Um, a Cherby at 4,300, that's too much to count on a goal. Stefan Radu, 4,900, that's too expensive. So we want to attach somebody to Luis Alberto in case it happens on a set piece. So I think our best bet is just playing Marco Parolo for 30, for, for, uh, 3, excuse me, for 3,000 and just take it because we've seen him in games where he scores and he might get a run out in this game based on um, these injuries and suspensions that are in Lazio's midfield. Okay. Now, Akpa Akpro could get the start, and he's 5,000, and that could screw things up for us. But let's put Parolo there. Okay, so that leaves us with 4,900 for a defender. And why not go to... Um, Do you think Hatabor is going to start in this one? Hatabor? Yeah, 4,400. Do you have him as a, as a defender? Yeah, he's listed as a defender. Oh, I don't have that. Yeah, I don't have that clicked. Boom. There you go. Let's put Atabor there. Boom. So we've stacked three Atalanta players. Zapata, Muriel, Atabor. We've got 
Luis Alberto and a cheap attachment that might get his head on one of his set pieces. And then we've got a Spezia combination that nobody's going to have. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Concili, who is at a price where we're depending on saves. We don't care if he wins. We like that? I like it. All right. You can log out because that's my account, and I'll update the entry. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be the Serie A sit-down lineup. So out of those, we're, we're telling you, go ahead and take the shot on playing Zapata and Muriel together because if they start together, they can both score. Now, this is all subject because at that 11500 price tag, it gives us flexibility to switch to a Malinowski and then move some things around. Um, we like Luis Alberto, who's going to be in a situation where he should see a lot of crosses, set pieces, shots, doing a lot of things open play, but doing a lot of things on dead ball. So we want to make sure we jam him in. The two Spezia guys, Marquitza and Jassi, give us cheap pieces that from a team that needs to get something out of a game. And then we finish it off by getting Hatabor, and then we're going to go for value with Concilia and Gold to fit all the expensive guys. So Sounds good to me. Talking it out, that's a good strategy. We get three players from the biggest favorite on the board that should score at least three goals tomorrow, and they all could be involved in it. We get different than what everybody else is going to do. I, I kind of like it. So Sounds good to me. I like it. All right. So that's the City I sit down lineup. We have uh, Zapata. Giassi, Alberto, Parolo, uh, Hatibor, um Hell, who's the other defender already? Marquitza. Marquitza. Yep, Concilian goal, and then our utility is Muriel. Subject to change based on the actual lineup, but that's the one that we'll lock and load and save. So, all right. All right, so we're not responsible if you lose. You're the ones clicking the buttons, but that's a lineup that we're going to take our shot at. And play responsibly. And yes, play res- of course, play responsibly. Don't play over your head. So, so yeah, I enjoy doing those exercises. Um, yeah, I so, do too. Yep. So that's our, that's our build. All right, moving on now to the world's greatest hashtag game, Richard. Who won Calcio Twitter? Who won Calcio Twitter? There it is. Uh, so we'll kick things off. I'll start this one off, uh, Frank, if you don't mind. Uh, this one comes from uh, Uncle Sharma. Get into the action. Uh, so the original tweet was from uh, <laughs> from Susalista. It says, since this tweet, uh, he scored a goal. So I guess the original tweet was uh, Uncle Sharma making fun of uh, Leao. So then uh, after that apparent tweet, Leao went on, went ahead and scored two goals, three assists in the following three games. So then uh, Uncle Sharma responded back, uh, one unfollowed Zlatan on Instagram, dropped a rap album, rap album, and then uh, no trophies won. So uh, nice. <laughs> Sharma gets a point on that one. Nice. Uh, Sharma coming through and getting on the board, as he always does. All right. Uh, at Huve underscore Nelson 7, detailed comparison of Zidane and Guardiola's baldness, a thread. And... Uh, Curvy shape, Pep, 9 out of 10, Zidane, 8 out of 10. I guess we're doing this because they both played in Serie A at one time. Yeah, yeah, um, but the, the, the funny thing is is that this is actually a, uh, a knockoff of an original tweet, which is the next uh, Who on Couch of Twitter, and that was actually based off of a detailed comparison of Lukaku and Conte's baldness thread. <laughs> it's the exact same thing, but this is a little bit better. <laughs> and where is that? Is that in the replies? or? No, oh, that's a – yeah, you, you found it? Uh at underscore, okay, at the fraud, Antonio Conte. Pep may have lost the battle, but at the end of the day, Conte is always the loser. 
Sure, all three managers have won domestic titles, but at least Pep and Zidane have nothing to hide. <laughs> so. Uh, that's a good thread. You gotta read. You gotta read through the thread. It's really good. That's the end of the thread. Yep. Shine, smoothness, winner. <laughs> yeah, he gave us it down the win. <laughs> All right. So. All right. Pretty creative. All right. Moving on. Uh, this one comes from. Let's see. What is this? All right. So uh, this comes from Pirlo causes. <laughs> You can read the name, the screen handle by yourself. It says, "No way do I have as many who won culture nominations as Inter has trophies in the last decade." One. <laughs> nice. Prop and Scheiter. All right, all right. Another thread. This is comparing Conte and Lukaku. That's what I was. That, that's the one I was. Talking. That's the original one. Okay. All right, and then that's in Norway. No way do I have as many who won culture as Inter Milan has trophies in the last decade. Well yeah. played. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Sharma now coming right back uh, with the Mourinho hire. Uh, Mourinho went from Spurs to the Italian Spurs. <laughs> yeah, um, it's kind of right here. Yep, absolutely. And uh, he's not the only one who's had the same sentiment. Connor Clancy, the same thing. What a move. He's left the Spurs to join the Italian Spurs. Michael Lisi <laughs> pointed us to that as well. Everyone calling out a lateral move. That's right. So, that's right. Uh, Art Morelli back on the board. Bro, Mo won two Champions League, three Premier League, Serie A and La Liga. He literally managed Chelsea two separate times before he touched your poisoned rag pudding club. <laughs> Settle down with the claiming rejects now. <laughs> so the original tweet said, uh, Serie A really has some Man United rejects winning a uh, reunion hangout spot now. So, yeah, uh, those rejects are actually doing really well right now. So, Yep, good stuff. All right, next one comes from uh, Simpy. Simpy. Uh, it's Mkhitaryan and Smalling. Thought you escaped Mourinho. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> like that one. Good stuff. I do. Good stuff. All right, moving on. Ah, there he is. Don Totti is back. At Mourinho underscore fan. When, I, when my account was suspended in February for copyright infringement, I said that I'll only return when Roma wins a trophy. After such a disastrous season, the appointment of legendary coach and tactician Jose Mourinho almost feels like a trophy. I'm back. Spread the word. Uh, Mourinho underscore fan. Yeah, he changes. Formerly known as Zaniolo underscore fan. We missed you. We're looking forward to getting you back on the board real soon. Welcome back. That's right. Welcome back. All right. So the next one comes from Uncle Sharma again. He was lively in this one. Uh, So it's uh, Mourinho when he sees Paolo Lopez in the first training session. (laughs) <laughs> what is this what why <laughs> oh very that was nice. good very uh, nice all right that Mila at that Milan fan first photograph of Mourinho inside <laughs> Roma's trophy room oh that's good <laughs> Jake, is our, Jake is our leader in the clubhouse I think. he is he is but uh, there's some other good ones here too uh, I thought I remember seeing all right, so Mourinho in an N95 mask with a crate of uh, vegetables. Yeah, or something, something like that. Yep. All right, so next one comes from Matteo de Genova. He says, uh, "Me and the boys gathering to watch the Azzurri this summer." <laughs> All the caps in the penalty box after the brawl against the Rangers. Oh, that was that. That, that was recently, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, just the other day. <laughs> the Calcio guys get on the board. Um, Conte just hoping his wig doesn't fly off. Yeah, so Inter posted a video of uh, them throwing Conti up and down for celebrations, and so he's just hoping his wig doesn't stay off, stays on, I should say. <laughs> oh, okay, let's see. Rafael Hernandez says, Turns out Jorginho is a fantastic player. Who would have thought anyone who's watched him for Napoli? 
Yep. Yep. That's uh, uh welcome Chelsea fans. Yep. All right. Patrick Kendrick is on the board. Hey. Spezia are playing highway to hell before kickoff, presumably a subtle reminder to their players as to the financial impact of dropping back to Serie B. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. I think he's up there with Jake. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this one uh, nominated to us by Jake. Uh, it's actually Ferrino. It says, Donnarumma when Milan lose to Juve and make the top four. <laughs> he's smiling at the end. <laughs> <laughs> all right we have another nomination uh let's see here uh michael is nominating at gillis 15 underscore hey alex dono look at what you're doing to jay Manchin. yeah <laughs> oh jerry oh man jerry, the new fan. 15 is up there too yeah that's a good one that's a good one all right, let's one. see. Uh, Frank, you nominated uh, at finally case, and it says yes. Samuel Casillejo's Samu, Samu biggest contribution to Milan is missing this match. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying after that. Uh, I guess that's his version of ha 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 ha. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> he's too. He was too happy about that. He couldn't spell. He didn't spell ha 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 right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well played, Apex Crafter, uh, nominating Richard. Uh, <laughs> Champions League straight ahead, Europa League. It's the you turn the J upside down to take the exit to Europa, <laughs> the Europa League. League. Uh, did a ha ha, yeah, look at that. <laughs> well done. Uh, all right, what else we got? Um, ba ba bomb. Here we go, another one. Uh, from Joe Fischetti, nom- nominated Hauga fan, and says, uh, Rodrigo de Paul's all Udinese. <laughs> I Rodrigo like that. De Paul Al Udinese. Got the nice sports car there and that rundown under the carport of a rundown shack. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> well done. Well done. Uh, uh, Halgo fans getting on the board. Uh, man, we yeah. gotta, we're going to have some choices here. At finally go to wing, he's always good for a good one. Buffon highlight appreciation threat. I'll start. <laughs> Shevchenko's scoring, scoring the winning penalty in the 2003 final. Next one is uh, Ronaldo scoring against him, I think. Or who is this? I don't even know who this is. Who is that? It's uh, Mbappe. Or Neymar. That's Neymar. Now yep. this is Ronaldo now scoring also on him. Oh, to send Juve out after. Yeah. Yep. Well, that wasn't. That was the the backup goalkeeper after Buffon got sent off. Uh, at David D underscore MC, the Ronaldo bike. It got. Yeah, it Buffon goes on looking. and on. <laughs> poor Ronaldo. Poor, uh, poor Buffon. M. Bayrup. Bayrup. Bayou uh, Prayoga. Sending him, see him get sent off at the Bernabeu. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> Soto underscore Soto underscore Soto. One of my favorites. Look at that smile. Anyway, all right. This, yep. So uh, that could be up there too. Man, yep. we got some choices. We do. Next one is uh, at uh, is Luca, and he says uh, Defesa si posizione, and then Osiman. We'll see. We'll see. Yep. <laughs> like a big and jack guy. <laughs> Let's yep. see if your defense can stop me. All right, Chetsia. Let's see here. And then finally, uh, at Roxas underscore 223, Anno 2022, La Juventus Torna in Champions. <laughs> Buffon wakes up from the Juventus dead. back in the Champions League, and Buffon's the undertaker getting out of the <laughs> casket. <laughs> out of the casket. I'm back, guys. I'm back. Uh, All right. That some was the last ones. one. There were some good ones. Some good ones. Uh, which one are we picking? 
Oh, man. Um, <laughs> the Mourinho and Roma's trophy room. That was a pretty good one. There was another one I saw. It was... Um, Maybe it was last week's. So it was where Tom Cruise was running and all the dust from the from the closet. I think it was last last week, but this is a good one. Jake, that that Milan fan, first photograph from Mourinho. That's a good one. Mm. Um, I think it's I think it's Jake. You know, I, yeah, yeah. I think it's slightly better than uh, Uncle Sharma's Mourinho's take on Paul Lopez. Yep. <laughs> Yep, I think it's Jake. I think he just edges. There was a lot of good nominees, but I think that this one edges it out. So so at that Milan fan, congratulations. Win number one for you. You have won Calcio Twitter this week. Hashtag who won Calcio Twitter for any Calcio tweets, Italian football-related tweets that you find funny that deserve our attention. Hashtag who won Calcio Twitter, all one word. Uh, please don't be offensive. Nothing regarding regions and stuff. We've had to kick some stuff out. Yep. Um, we won't kick entrance out for it, but we won't read them. Uh, but keep it in good taste. Keep it in good fun. We have a blast with this every week. So just a, uh, um, a, uh, public service announcement for all of you. And I think our repeat offenders at this are usually really good about that anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and with that, Richard will put a bow on this edition of Syria Sit Down. While I award this win to Jake, uh, why don't you plug away? Yeah, uh, well, obviously you can follow me at our underscore K H A R M A N on all your social media. Um, I feel like I was on a podcast recently. I just don't remember who, who was. That's good of me, right? Um, make sure if you haven't done so yet, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page. Follow us, like, leave comments. As always, uh, very much appreciated. Uh, when you go on Apple, make sure you give us five stars, leave comments. Again, we appreciate your, you following us and listening in, uh, with us every week. So thank you for that. Yep. You can find me at FTC underscore 21. Uh, sit, yeah, sit down. We have our own podcast on Apple Podcasts, also on, on SoundCloud. We have our own channel, we should say. Um, not our, we, we have our own podcast. It's pretty obvious. Uh, but we have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you find podcasts. You can find City House Sit Down. Uh, so any of those places are fine. Drop good reviews. Say good things. Pass the word, of course. Um, at City House Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Comments, questions uh, for future podcasts. Hashtag who won Calcio Twitter nominees. We take them. Uh, we take them on Twitter. Um, if it's on Instagram, I won't see it. Uh, Facebook, we're there occasionally, but, you know, drop a note anyway. We'll probably grab it. Uh, so uh, you guys uh, keep us going. What was this? Number 192, Richard? Uh, actually, it's 193. Is a 193. 193. Seven up there. to go. I don't think we're going to get to 200 before the season's over. But we're, I don't think so either. We're closing in on 200. We are. Um, it is astonishing. So mm. um, it really is. So, uh uh, and, it, and 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 we only can get there because we have the support and we have the listeners that yeah continue absolutely. to to continue to give us their time and we're very very grateful for it uh chat thank you so much all of you were awesome great questions great yeah. comments great banter yeah. as always um if you are watching this video for the first time please subscribe and also drop a like the subscription you'll get notifications on when we go live so that you can join in Get in on the banter and get in on the chat with everybody else. Um, so uh, please join us, and we, we'd like to know where you're where you're from and 
where you are watching us from and all of that other stuff and uh, just get in on the fun. So um, back on Sunday night, Richard. Back on Sunday night. Yep. Yep. Awesome. So uh, we will join you then. We will be live on our YouTube channel again on Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. Unless we, announce, unless we announce otherwise. So on that note, uh, for Richard, I'm Frank. And as always, make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.